I'm here to pick up today where uh, Chris left off last week in the commission series. And we're gonna be looking at the cost of discipleship. And as we do this, we're going to see this transformation from what I call this checklist frame of mind to what it truly means to be a disciple. And you know we've heard disciple before and we've heard Christian before. And a lot of times within Christianity, disciple and Christian are used interchangeably. Now on paper, they are not exactly synonymous. However, they kind of are. Christian as a noun is defined as one who professes beliefs in the teachings of Jesus Christ. So therefore, if we profess belief in the teachings of Jesus Christ, then we hold belief in what he calls us to do. And now a disciple is one who accepts and assists in the spreadings of, of the doctrines of another, such as Christianity. So therefore, if we are a Christian, we are, by default, a disciple. And now some of us may have already made that connection and we're actively pursuing what that means. Some of us maybe have never thought about that until this moment. And some of us sitting here might be still deciding where we are in regards to Jesus and God altogether. And regardless of where we are in our walk, we are all here today with one another. So as we, we're going to dive into this, and as we do, I have a question that should be in the back of every one of our minds. And that question is, is the cost of discipleship too much for me? Is it, is it too expensive? Is it more than I'm willing to pay? So we're going to go into Matthew chapter 10, and we're going to be spending our time together in verses 24 through uh, 39. And typically, I would probably read it all together in one big chunk, but this is kind of a beefy chunk of verses. Uh, so we're just going to go about it as we approach it. We'll read it um, together. And as, we're, as we do this, we're going to focus on three different costs that I think that Jesus is laying out for the disciples so that they know exactly what they're getting themselves into. And, but first I'm gonna give a quick, like one minute recap. So last week, um, over, over the first half of chapter 10, last week Chris spoke about how Jesus, he's called the 12 to himself and he's, cause he's getting ready to send them out. And he began to give them their instructions, so to speak, for their journey. And he starts off by giving them authority through him to cast out demons, disease, illness, and um, then he starts to get into the specifics. So this is kind of what I call this, that checklist that I was talking about earlier. So he says, hey, you're not going to take any silver or gold with you in your belt. And, you know, maybe they have a pen. And they're like, all right. And he says, you're not going to take any extra clothes. And they're like, okay. And you're not taking any extra sandals or staff. They're getting prepared. He says, also, by the way, whenever you get into whatever town that you were staying in for the day or the set of days that you're going, excuse me, going to be there, you're not going to know where you're going to stay which house? You're just going to figure it out as you get there. You're going to pray about it and you're going to be led. And they're like, okay. So then you get down to verse 19 and you start to see this shift from this checklist mentality kind of, and, and I'm paraphrasing here what Jesus is going to say. Jesus is like, basically, if you get snatched up by the law, don't worry about what you're going to say because the spirit of your father is going to be speaking through you. Okay. So they're, they've got this, they're hearing this and we get down now to 24 and 25. And that's, how, that's our first chunk. And Jesus is going to speak here in what I feel is one of the most, hey, here is what I'm saying, take it or leave it moments. Because when you walk away from what we're about to go over, you're, nobody's going to have any question as to what Jesus was truly trying to say to these disciples. And it's almost like this line in the sand. 
And so we're going to go and we're going to start in verse 24 and 25 and what I feel is the first cost, if you will, to discipleship and it's going to be identity. So if you'd follow along with me, the student is not above the teacher nor a servant above his master. It is enough for students to be like their teachers and servants like their masters. If the head of the house has been called Beelzebul, how much more the members of his household? So here, what Jesus is explaining to them is whatever happens to the masters and the teachers are in turn going to happen to the servants and the students. He's trying to get them to understand the beginning cost of discipleship, and that is that your identity is no longer yours. He is saying that whenever you go into these towns and you start to speak, and people are seeing you and they're hearing you, they're no longer gonna start seeing you and hearing you. They're gonna start seeing me and hearing me. And your identity no longer lies in you. So your identity no longer lies in what you've had, what you've built up to to this moment. It's going to be me. And by the way, a lot of them don't like me. They oppose me. They persecute me. They lie about me. They, they identify me with, with Satan. So you're about to face some hardships and some trials, to say the least. But this is the very real reality of being a disciple. Your identity no longer lies in you. It's defined by Jesus. And I think that Jesus recognizes that that's probably got to be a little scary. They've just been told that everything that they've worked for up until this point is no, it's not about them. It's about him going forward. And I think he recognizes that, that fear. And that's going to take us into what I think is the, the second cost. And that's going to be our eternal mindset. Because Jesus goes on, we're going to read 26 through 31. So do not be afraid of them. For there is nothing concealed that will not be disclosed, or hidden that will not be made known. What I tell you in the dark, speak in the daylight. What is whispered in your ear, proclaim from the roofs. Do not be afraid of those who kill the body but cannot kill the soul. Rather, be afraid of the one who can destroy both soul and body in hell. Are not two sparrows sold for a penny? Yet not one of them will fall to the ground outside of your father's care. And even the very hairs of your head are all numbered. So don't be afraid. You are worth more than many sparrows. Now here I think it's, it's very important to understand that Jesus is not explaining if, but when they begin to have fear amidst the persecution and the opposition. When they have the fear that they prioritize their fear, so to speak. Because their fear is going to be real. What they're going to get into is going to be real. He's trying to give them faith. He's trying to give them encouragement that says, go. Go and tell what you know. Go and proclaim the message that I have instructed you. Proclaim it from the rooftops. It is okay because I've got you. God has you. And Jesus never says, do not be afraid. Period. Now he could have. He could have just been like, hey, don't do this, don't do that. Don't be afraid, et cetera, et cetera. But he doesn't. Instead, he puts things into perspective, into, into perspective for them. He says, do not be afraid of them. Do not be afraid of the ones who kill the body but cannot kill the soul. Rather, fear the one that can destroy both the body and soul in hell. And he means exactly that. 
See, our bodies and what we are going through right now, this is all temporary. Our souls are eternal. And if we're going to fear and act out of the temporary over eternity based on the circumstances that we are currently going through and not based on the circumstances that he has sent here to prepare us for, then maybe we need to reprioritize our eternal mindset. Because this world, what we're going through right now is not all that there is. He is saying, remember why I am here and remember why I am sending you out. Jesus isn't saying that he wants them to fear either. He is not commanding them to fear. He is, in a sense, foreshadowing what is to come. Jesus is saying, yes, it will be hard. Yes, you will probably want to give up. And maybe you get to the point to where you want to renounce being a disciple. You want to renounce knowing me altogether. However, keep your priorities straight. Because, listen, if in our mind our eternity ends at that time of death stamp that's on our death certificate, then we got to get our priorities straight. Because as a disciple, we are living for eternity. We're working for eternity while living in this temporary life. And Jesus can, continues on without even missing a beat. And I think he does this because he wants them to know that he's not trying to fear monger them. Okay, he's saying, he's not... <laughs> He's not saying, hey, deny me, and you're going to hell, I'm out. He doesn't do that. What he does, the very next words that come out of his mouth, he's explaining to them their worth to God. And, and he's doing so so that he can build their faith so that they have what they need when things get hard, when you feel like you do want to give in. And he says, and I'm, and I'm paraphrasing here, okay. He says, so you know those birds that are up in the sky, those birds that are, they're less than a dime a dozen, actually. You know, this, the term a dime a dozen, it means it's so plentiful, there's so much, you can, you can spend one dime and get a dozen of them. These birds are less than that. You can get 20 for a dime. So these birds, they are quite insignificant day to day here for you. But not one of them moves without the care of your father. And he utilizes the term your father there and I think it's important to, to pick that out because I think in their mind, it helps them to grasp a hold of that connection that they have with God. And none of these birds move without this level of your father's attention and care and concern. And if he has that level for them, how much more does he have for you? How much more attention, how much more care and concern does he have for you? And then he goes on to speak of God caring for them so much that he knows the amount of hairs on their head. Now, I don't, I, maybe all of us here have children. And if you don't have children, think about that one person who you love, that person that makes you come alive whenever you're around them. You're like, oh, I love them so much. I'd probably die for them. I have kids. I love them and I care for them so much. But never once have I ever gotten to a level of care or concern that I wanted to know how many hairs that they have on their head. I, it's not that I don't care for them. I just can't get to that level of care or concern for them because I'm not God. My limitations are just there. God's extent is things that we could never even imagine. So Jesus is explaining to them, he's emphasizing this love for them that says, hey, I don't want to spend eternity without you. So I'm going to give you everything that you need to stand firm in the truth when it gets hard 
so that you can prioritize where you're going to be spending your eternity when you feel like you want to get, whenever you feel like you want to quit, and when you feel like you want to give in to what the world is throwing at you. And so Jesus has laid this out there, and it's uncomfortable. We've now lost our identity. We have to think about eternity on everything that we do. His line in the sand is about to get a little more defined, and it's going to be a little more uncomfortable. And that's going to be your allegiance. And we're going to read here, 32 to 39, just follow along. Whoever acknowledges me before others, I will also acknowledge before my Father in heaven. But whoever disowns me before others, I will disown before my Father in heaven. Do not suppose that I have come to bring peace to the earth. I did not come to bring peace, but a sword. For I have come to turn a man against his father, a daughter against her mother, a daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law. A man's enemies will be the members of his own household. Anyone who loves their father or mother more than me is not worthy of me. Anyone who loves their son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. Whoever does not take up their cross and follow me is not worthy of me. Whoever finds their life will lose it, and whoever loses their life for my sake will find it. Jesus starts off by explaining that when they acknowledge him in front of others, they are affirming that he is the Christ. They are affirming that he is the Messiah and they are affirming that he is the son of God. They're gonna be pointing to Jesus as the only way that anyone can come to the Father. They are declaring their allegiance to him. Jesus in turn will acknowledge them to his Father as his own, which then secures their place in eternity. And he explains that when you do declare your allegiance to me, it's going to cause division. He's not saying that he wants to bring division. He is perfect coming to an imperfect. When you come from the perfect to the imperfect, and you tell the imperfect that they're not perfect, there's going to be division that's caused. He is saying that once you've declared your allegiance to me, it will bring division all the way down to the members of your own family. Some of them are going to turn their backs on you. And if you decide that you want to deny me in order to keep those relationships, then you're not worthy of me. And he explains exactly what that means in just a moment. He goes on to talk about taking up your cross. Now, he's using an illustration that every single person there would have understood and comprehended. They were living in the Roman Empire, and during this time, they knew that condemned criminals were to carry their own cross up to where they were to be executed. And the Romans did this as a confession of sorts. They declared that if the, prison, if the prisoners were participating in their own execution, then they were admitting to or submitting to the claim that um, the Roman government was right to be putting them to death. So, Jesus says, whoever does not take up their cross and follow me is not worthy of me. Because to be worthy of me is to let go of your ideals. To be worthy of me is to let go of your dreams. It's to let go of your ideas, your agendas, your pursuits, your ways of living, your ways of thinking, and your ways of maintaining relationships. To be worthy of me is to die to yourself and live for me and follow me. When you die to yourself, you've lost whatever life that you think you've made here. And it's no longer about you, it's about him. It's about bringing glory to him. And he assures them that 
if you do decide to follow me, you're going to have better things than you could ever imagine, not just here on this earth, but in eternity as well. And let's switch it up and not just on eternity, but on this earth as well. So Jesus laid it out there for them in, in only a way that, um, you know, a savior could. And he says, this is what happens when you follow me to become my disciple. And I, I, I like to think he did that because they had a choice. So nowhere in this does anybody have a picture of like Jesus stiff-arming people up against a wall talking about, you better do this. You know, that's not what happens. They could have walked away, but they didn't. In that moment, none of them, they, they heard your life is being taken from you. Literally. It's, it's going gonna, it's gonna to get whack and it's going to get bad. I don't know how many of you guys know how these gentlemen died, but it wasn't good. Look it up. <laughs> um, and they all said, okay. They all heard the cost and they said, all right. Because they believed in him and they knew that there was something better for them out there. They, he, whatever words he said got through to them. They understood that this was all temporary. So they stayed. And then I, I asked earlier, I, I said, you know, is, is the cost of discipleship too high? Is, is it too expensive? Is it too much? Would I be willing to pay it? Um, you know, I wish that was, I wish that was a question that was almost like one of those one and done. Yes, no, whatever. Everything's going to fall into place now. I'm going to move on about my day. But, but it's not like that. It's like choosing to love someone. You, you have to make a choice to do it every single day, every single moment. So if we can say yes to having our identity mirror Jesus and not us, and if we can say yes to considering eternity over the present before every choice that we make, and if we can say yes to our allegiance resting in the arms of Jesus, then I think we can probably say, no, no, the cost of discipleship is, is not too high or too expensive or, or too much for me.